While many Christians shy away from Bible prophecy, Pastor Ed Taylor says you're really missing out if you do. Listen, God wants you to understand the things of the future. God wants you to understand the prophetic implications of the Bible and the day in which you live. God wants you to understand that you're living on a prophetic time clock, that God is on the throne. God wants you to understand, listen, church, and, and listen, anyone watching online, uh, connected to us on Grace FM, listen, God wants you to know that he holds future in his hands. He holds the future in his, he wants you to understand that there's a plan and a purpose for your life and for this world and that God has it all under control. This is amazing grace. Are you ready to get into some amazing prophecy? As we continue through the book of Daniel on Abounding Grace, we come to the 70 weeks of Daniel. To some, this is rather confusing, but today, Pastor Ed Taylor will set out to help us understand it all. It is an important key to unlock the understanding of prophecy as a whole. So if you're ready, let's dig into it right now. Daniel chapter nine, we're gonna pick up where we left off last time in Daniel chapter nine. This is where things get really exciting in our study church. This is exciting times. Uh, our time in Daniel so far has been fruitful. I jotted them down because I number my studies. This is our 28th study in the book of Daniel. And you remember the, the first part of Daniel was just so encouraging about the man, about the integrity of the man. And, and I think it all started with this. Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself. And there are just those times in life you have to make a decision. This is one of them. I mean, it's, it, you've got to make a decision, purpose in your heart right now to follow the Lord. Don't wait. And we've been encouraged and exhorted and uplifted and strengthened. And I believe every single pastor listening to me needs to take his flock through the book of Daniel. It's just that awesome. I mean, if Daniel was compared, like we saw with uh, Pike's Peak, if Daniel was a mountain, then chapter 9 is the peak. Like we are at the top. We are at the highest point in the book. One of the most powerful, wonderful sections in all the Bible as God unfolds a very important key to prophecy and understanding prophecy. It's also a little technical. So we're going to get into some of the technicalities and it's technical in, the, in relation to math. So I'm going to have to get a little technical here to explain the prophecy to us. But it's okay, because this is recorded. You can always go back. But this is a great place to really sit down and be in awe of God. In Daniel chapter 9, we're introduced to this 70 weeks of Daniel. Now, we are studying Daniel. This is a new thing for us in the New Living Translation. And they translate it in a way that's easier to understand than the 70 weeks of Daniel. But I'm going to use the 70 weeks of Daniel because that's how the King James and New King James and most other translations will, will use the 70 weeks. And that's how you'll remember it. But you'll see in a moment that 
the way that the New Living Translation translates it is a period of 70 sets of seven, which is the right way to handle it. And then we'll get into it as we go forward. Now, some people come to Daniel as a critic. They come to the book of Daniel as a critic. And as they come as a critic, they're, you know, they're a critic with the rest of the Bible. So it doesn't matter. Daniel is just another book to make fun of and not believe. Others come to this section of Daniel as a bystander, thinking this sort of stuff is just for the pastor, for the leader. Still others come to Daniel, to this section of Daniel as a student, which has been my prayer for all of us, that we would be students, or better yet, that we would be learners, because that's what the the real definition of disciple is, to be a learner. And we want to learn what the Bible has to say, especially the technical things. We want to learn what the Bible has to say so that we will be changed into the image of Christ, then our lives will be changed. Because why? Why do we learn something and why do we change our minds? Because of this. What we believe will dictate how we behave. So we're not just studying prophecy to be prophecy buffs. We're not just studying prophecy to, to, oh, the world is falling. We're studying prophecy because we want to get to know the God of prophecy. Don't ever forget that. It could be rather frustrating to see all these videos and all these things come out and, and everybody's freaking out about the mark of the beast right now. But, but even as you're freaking out about the mark of the beast and can, can somebody make me take it and, and what if I get this? And listen, there's no mark of the beast without the beast. And you know as well as I do as we've studied it, the beast is the Antichrist. And the Antichrist appears in the time of the great tribulation period. And there's no question of the fact that the Antichrist is the Antichrist. He declares it to be so. And, and the mark of the beast has everything to do with those that worship the beast. So nobody's going to get the mark of the beast against their will. Nobody's going to get the mark of the beast as it is, as that final rebellious decision against God, against their will. The mark of the beast does, I believe, involve technology and implantable chips and stuff. I get all that. Yes. But everybody's freaking out about that when there's no beast, not currently revealed as the one world ruler right now, even though you might have read recently that the former prime minister of England has called for a temporary one world government, like a a temporary one world leader to solve this global crisis. Interesting days. But why do we study such things? To be scared? To be nervous? No, to stir us into love and good works. That's why we study Daniel. It's to make us students of the Bible. History in advance. God has given us a panorama picture. Listen, God has given us a panorama picture of his dealings with Israel. The Antichrist, the coming Messiah, and the end of the age. Pick up with me in verse 20. Daniel chapter 9. Daniel says, well, pick up in verse 19, because remember he was praying. We spent a lot of time studying his prayers. Verse 19, O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act. Reading from the New Living Translation. For your own sake, do not delay. O my God, for your people and your city, bear your name. Verse 20, I went on praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, pleading with the Lord my God for Jerusalem, his holy mountain. And that's his prayer. It's a prayer of confession. It's not just a prayer of confession, oh, this, this, this country, those sinners. No, when, when he prays this confession, he confesses his sins and our sins collectively. So he's speaking and he's praying and he's confessing. 
and he's reading in the book of Jeremiah, prayer and reading in the Bible. He's in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 25 and 29, and his heart's breaking over the sins of his nation. His heart's breaking over the sins that would lead to captivity, all the idolatry and rebellion. And from his broken heart flow prayers and supplications. Notice verse 21. As I was praying, Gabriel, whom I had seen in the earlier vision, came swiftly to me at the time of the evening sacrifice. He explained to me, verse 22, Daniel, I have come here to give you insight and understanding. The moment you began praying, a command was given, and now I'm here to tell you what it was, for you are very precious to God. Listen carefully so that you can understand the meaning of your vision. So right in the middle of his prayer, right in the middle of his prayer, God shows up in the form, or really God shows up in the presence of an angel. This is a real angel separate from God. And what I mean is that God sends a messenger. And so God shows up as an answer by sending a messenger, the angel, with the answer, Gabriel, the archangel. And he shows up with an answer that was unexpected. And by the way, this shouldn't surprise us that angels are used to give uh, an answer because According to the book of Hebrews, when many, many, many months ago we were studying Hebrews chapter 1, remember we learned that angels are ministering servants. They are servants of those who are to care for people. This is Hebrews 1.14. They're sent to care for people that inherit salvation. So Gabriel shows up, an angel dispatched by God, and he as Daniel's praying about the future, God gives him an answer about, well, I should say this. Daniel's praying about the future of the captivity backwards. God gives him an answer about the prophetic key of the future going forwards. And the answer really supersedes the request. Gabriel comes forward to give Daniel insight, verse 22, and understanding. Uh, in the New King James, he was, that phrase is translated, skill to understand. Three times Gabriel's talking with Daniel. He talks about understanding, understanding, understanding. And listen, God wants you to understand the things of the future. God wants you to understand the prophetic implications of the Bible and the day in which you live. God wants you to understand that you're living on a prophetic time clock, that God is on the throne. God wants you to understand, listen, church, and, and listen, anyone watching online, uh, connected to us on Grace FM. Listen, God wants you to know that he holds future in his hands. He holds the future in his. He wants you to understand that there's a plan and a purpose for your life and for this world and that God has it all under control. That's just a word from the Lord for you today. God has it all under control. He wants you to understand not only does he want you to understand prophecy, but he wants you to understand his character and his nature. He wants you to understand that he has written history in advance and we're living it in real time. This really discourages me at times because so many pastors avoid teaching prophecy. They're not interested in the book of Revelation or Daniel or Zechariah or Isaiah or Jeremiah. It's almost as if in some churches, and I know that some might be listening and you go, wait a minute, that's my church. Or you might be a pastor or a leader and you go, well, wait a minute, that's what I do. But, but I want you to hear me out. I want you to pray about this because it's not for me. It's for your relationship with the Lord and it's your leadership. But you can come into some churches and think that everything started in Matthew. Like everything started in Matthew. And you just drop down into human history with the, the coming of Jesus Christ. 
But you know, there's a lot more that happened before Matthew. The, the old covenant, starting with Adam and Eve, working all, their way, all the way through to Malachi. Like, the Bible is a one unit. It is one long story broken up in different facets. And it speaks to us about the love of God. And I want you to consider understanding prophecy. Now, it is dangerous sometimes when you start studying prophecy because then you, you make prophecy more important than God. You make every little thing. Is this the Antichrist? And is this the chip? And is this? You, you make it more than it is. I mean, look at the days in which you live and then measure it by the scriptures. And then when you look at it in the scriptures, looking, you know, at different parts of the, parts of the Bible, then, then, man, act like you're in the last days. I guess that's the best way to put it. Because, you know, every generation, every true believer has lived with an urgent, expectant return of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe it's God's will for every generation to live with an, uh, a sense of the imminent return of Jesus, that he could come at any time. And I believe a pre-tribulational rapture, the doctrine of a pre-tribulational rapture puts every generation at the place. We're not looking for the Antichrist. We're looking for Jesus Christ. And how exciting that is that. The word is clear. God wants to give us understanding. Uh, hold your place in Daniel. Go over to Daniel or in chapter 9 and just go to chapter 12 real quick. Look at Daniel chapter 12 in verse 4. Look at Daniel chapter 12 verse 4. It says, but you, Daniel... Keep this prophecy a secret. Okay, so for the time that Daniel wrote it, keep it a secret. Seal up the book until the time of the end. When many rush, will rush here and there. Or some translations run to and fro and knowledge will increase. Well, are we in a day where knowledge is increasing? Say it out loud. Yes. Not only knowledge in general. And I, I don't have the stats here. Uh, but you can look them up how every year the aggregate increase in knowledge is just, you know, what Google has uh, mapped out on the web and everything, just more, more, more. It's just so cumulative and amazing. But it's not just knowledge, I think, generally, of just this overwhelming sense of being over, uh, overloaded with knowledge, but it's also knowledge specifically of end times truths or prophetic knowledge. In the end times, closer, I believe, what we learn, and we'll see this when we go to chapter 12, but what we're learning through this statement is, is that the closer we get to the end, the more we'll understand prophecy. Pretty exciting. Now, let's get in to the technical part of this section. The 70 weeks of Daniel. So notice in verse 23, the moment that you began praying, a command was given. And now I'm here to tell you what it was, for you are very precious to God, Listen carefully so that you can understand the meaning of your vision. A period of 70 sets of seven has been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish their rebellion, to put an end to their sin, to atone for their guilt, and to bring in everlasting righteousness to confirm, to confirm the prophetic vision and anoint the most holy place. Now listen and understand, verse 25. Seven sets of seven plus 62 sets of seven will pass from the time of the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem until a ruler, the anointed one, comes. Jerusalem will be rebuilt with streets and strong defenses despite perilous times. Okay, so let me read this to you from the New King James, which will be more familiar to your ears. 
70 weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, to anoint the most holy. Verse 25, know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be 70 weeks, or excuse me, seven weeks and 62 weeks. The street shall be built again in the wall, even in troublesome times. So God has set aside a time frame to accomplish a certain work. And that alone reveals to us that we have a God who cares. There are those that say today that God is impersonal and doesn't care. That really the only time he cares about man is to punish us or to hurt us. But that's not true. And I know maybe you grew up with this concept of God that he's just ready for you to fail so he can jump all over you and judge you and condemn you. And a weird, weird thoughts, but uh, you know, that God has a big baseball bat and he's just ready to clobber you when you fail. I think I've shared this with you before, but I grew up with this concept of God and I don't quite know who gave it to me exactly. Although I know I did grow up in a, as a child in a very legalistic church and a very legalistic home. Uh, I, I remember in my mind that I had this picture of a big chalkboard, like one of those big chalkboards they had in school. They're whiteboards now, but us growing up, chalkboards. It was a big green chalkboard in heaven and and I know this is weird, so you can laugh at me if you want to, that's fine. But I, I, I think I remember it like little hamsters would go, and maybe because I had a pet hamster, I don't know. I know it's weird, but stick with me. That little hamsters would, the, the chalkboard was, was divided in half, and little hamsters would put a mark on the one side if I was good, and then they ran out of chalk by all the bad marks they would put. And then I would just measure my day, measure my month by these... <laughs> Uh, what hamsters are doing in heaven, I don't understand, but they were marking off all the bad things I did. Because, you know, I did way more bad things than my parents ever knew. And I just grew up with this sense that I'm already behind. I'll never catch up. I'll never be good enough to make up for all those. So the left hand hand side of the chalkboard was pretty much blank with just a couple marks here. Uh, Maybe I did something. And, you know, I was even a kid too, so I didn't even know motives or anything. But I would measure any good work. But the bad works were horrible. And as a little kid, I just felt like, God, there's no hope for me. Because there was no hope at the church I went to because I was a rotten little kid, always in trouble. There wasn't hope in my home because I was a rotten kid, always in trouble. And people, adults still live like that today. Praise God that I was introduced to the blood of Jesus Christ. There's no weird chalkboard. There's not a God with a baseball bat, but there's a God with his arms wide open who died on a cross for you. And he was buried. And he rose again the third day so that your sins can be forgiven. Yeah, maybe you have more evil than good in your life, which is the case for all of us. But God is personal. He cares. He's very involved and very interested in his creation. He wants you to know him. See, he knows you, but he wants you to know him. He wants you to understand his love. There is a particular time period that God has set in motion. There's a particular place where even though it's troubling times, I hear the invitation that we read in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18 where it says, come now, let's settle this. Or in the New King James, it says, come now, let's reason together. God invites you to come to him with all your questions. And God invites you to come to him with all your concerns. And God invites you, even as 
a believer, a follower, it, it, is our, it should be our natural habit to come and to cast our cares upon the Lord because he cares for us and to come with our questions. I think of my friend today that finding out that, that he lost his son and he's going to be filled with a lot of questions. And now he's going to grieve as a pastor very publicly and he's going to be misunderstood. And unfortunately, there are going to be people coming along that are going to want to take advantage of his weakness. And there's the internal things. And then there's the wife, his wife. And then there's his kids and his grandkids, other kids. And, and then on top of that, the inability to have a memorial service. Friends, look, God cares. And life can be hard. And yet, God is doing a work to bring about a specific end. Nothing will stop that. And in this particular vision that God is giving Daniel, it shouldn't surprise us that on the biggest part of prophecy that Israel is on center stage. As my friend Joe Rosenberg wrote, and he actually had a book titled this, but he declared Jerusalem the epicenter of all of world's history and all of prophecy. And it, indeed, it is. Jerusalem is the epicenter. It always has been and always will be. The Jewish nation brought forth a Jewish Messiah that provides forgiveness to the world. These are your people, Daniel. This is your people. And so the unit of time in the New King James is the week. But notice in verse 24 in the New Living, it's 70 sets of seven. In the New King James, it's 70 weeks are determined for your people and your holy city to finish their rebellion and put an end to their sin. In verse 25, it's seven weeks and 62 weeks. Uh, He says seven plus 62 sets of seven. And then in verse 26, we see after this period of 62 sets of seven, the anointed one will be killed and appearing to have accomplished nothing. And a ruler will rise whose armies will destroy the city and the temple. And the end will come with a flood. And the war and its miseries are decreed from that time to the very end. Verse 27, the ruler will make a treaty with the people of, of one set of se- for a period of one set of seven. But after half this time, he will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings. And as a climax to all his terrible deeds, he will set up a sacrilegious object that causes desecration, the abomination of desolation, until the fate decreed for this defiler is finally poured out upon him. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. He's leading a study from Daniel. You can find our studies online at AboundingGraceRadio.com, and they're accessible through our app, too. Do a search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. Pastor Ed, we have a timely resource to share with our listeners today. It's called The Case for Christmas. How might this encourage our listeners in these days leading up to Christmas? Well, this is a great little resource Uh, That is the pick we do every year for Christmas because, you know, around Christmas time, everybody seems to rise up with some accusation, some attempt to undermine the truthfulness of the birth of Jesus Christ. Lee Strobel does a phenomenal job of factually dealing with Christmas and the questions that surround it. And as he consults experts on the Bible, archaeology, messianics, prophecies, He comes to the conclusion that we all come to that Christmas is true. Jesus Christ is the Son of God in human flesh. And he quotes 
eyewitness evidence, the biographies of Jesus, scientific evidence, looking to archaeology, profile evidence. Did Jesus fulfill the attributes of God? Fingerprint evidence. Did Jesus uniquely match the identity of the Messiah? And this book is not only good for you to have a well-rounded reason for the hope that's within you, but it's a good gift. And because it's so inexpensive, I'm looking at Amazon, it's like $2.99. Uh, it's so inexpensive that you can give this as gifts and all your gifts to everyone that you're going to share this this year with Christmas and get it into their hands. Because what he does is he invites the reader to consider why Christmas matters in the first place. Somewhere beyond the traditions of the holiday lies the truth. And this is so cool and so important. So get it into their hands. Uh, we offer it every year and we want you to get it, whether you support our ministry or not. We want to put before you these resources so you can be a blessing, not only, again, quipping yourself, but also giving it away, um, putting it, it's so inexpensive, you put it in every single gift you give, and I know the Lord will use it. So pick it up, The Case for Christmas by Lee Strobel. We'll gladly send you a copy of The Case for Christmas when you support Abounding Grace today with a gift of $25 or more. Just pick up the phone right now and call 877-30-GRACE. Set aside another half hour to join us tomorrow when we'll dig deeper into Daniel with Pastor Ed Taylor here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.